Sandy Clough and Sean Trotar. Weekdays at 2 on Mile High Sports. Welcome to the show. Thursday already. Wow. Welcome back to uh, Sandy and Sean. Mile High Sports. If you uh, want to interact, you might want to. The caller and text line is 303-831-1340 because the Colorado Avalanche ends up dropping their game to Seattle. And and Sandy, the, the whole time I'm watching it, and I know that you know you kind of watched them recording, you were at the uh, Sports Hall. Yes, Same but I have watched talk about uh, that. all but the last three minutes of the game. That's, I didn't that's quite when the Avalanche through. looked the best. It was three to two. <laughs> right, well, no, right no, the no, no. It was after they scored to make it three to two, and I didn't think they looked <laughs> particularly no, those last, last good three minutes, the, last, they uh, the last two or three minutes. But I, I, I have not actually seen the last two. Yeah. Uh, well, you got nothing uh, out of it. So it, it was 3-2, and, I, I, you know, it was interesting because uh, you texted me on, on some lineup combinations. Right. And um, I was texting with uh, several uh, people during the game. Uh, there are about, I don't know, 90, 100 people at this banquet mm-hmm. last night, mm-hmm. and probably 20 were watching the game during the ceremony not totally surprised. Uh, and, and watching yeah. on the streams obviously the phones, right. and uh dave logan and Susie uh Wargen, who are the uh, co-mcs uh were either updating or asking for updates since they knew they could get them yeah and uh actually the the event ended uh at uh the hilton denver city center at the same time the game ended, so traffic was interesting oh. on, the way, on the way home. Yeah. But it was interesting to, to not having watched the game to, to get the impressions of, of some people who were watching it, and I think the frustration level uh, on the ice and off the ice in the stands, people watching uh, on television last night uh, was was palpable to me that that was the thing i came away with Mm -hmm. and with frustration comes a tendency to identify one or two people one or two factors in determining the outcome of a three-two game right where it tends to be a lot of little things accumulating and my impression watching the game was even through the first period and prior to the first goal again being scored by Seattle, that Seattle was clearly the better team. And if the teams had changed uniforms, you wouldn't have been at all surprised at which what seed was, was what going on and which team was the second seed and which team was the seventh seed, which team was the first place team in its division, which team was the third place team in its division. It, 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 it seemed pretty apparent to me that the quicker and hungrier team was Seattle. And for those who think that the difference was simply that uh, uh, Georgiev was outplayed by Grubauer, I would respectfully disagree with that. Um, Those who think that uh, uh, Sam Gerrard and, you know, Josh Manson uh, helped cost them the game, uh, I would agree with half of that and disagree with half of that. Uh, Josh Manson was so bad that he got zero shifts, count them, zero in the third period. Yeah. He did not play in the third period. He was terrible. He has been terrible. 
uh, in this series. I can't explain it uh, other than the fact that he's missed most of the year uh, due to injury. But for me, Sean, the bottom line on this series, Seattle deserves to be up three games to two and two acts of irresponsibility, one on the ice and one off the ice, may in the end cost the Avalanche this series, whether it ends tomorrow night or ends on Sunday with a seventh game. Uh, I will say this. Uh, I only, if I'm going to be wrong, want to be wrong once. I like <laughs> the Avalanche in this series. I still like the Avalanche in this series, but I like the Avalanche last night. And yet, uh, I was talking to some people beforehand, uh, including uh, George Carl, uh, who was honored as a Hall of Fame inductee last night. And I said, I, I have a bad feeling about all of this. And, and I'll also add this. Uh, good-natured as it was, Kale McCarr, the 2022 Professional Athlete of the Year in Colorado, was the butt of jokes last night at the banquet. And to me, rightfully so. His act of irresponsibility on the ice, while not as severe as the off-ice irresponsibility of Val Nashushkin, has been costly to the Avalanche in this series. But to use McCarr's absence as an excuse for losing, let us remind everyone the Avalanche were 17-3-2 without Kale McCarr this year during the regular season. I don't want to hear it. He got himself suspended. It's on him. The Avs have done very, very well without him this year. Previously, they lost only three regulation games out of the 22 he missed, and he's had a lousy series apart from one game. He's had a lousy series. And uh, Taves has had a lousy series. Um, Byram, I thought, was terrible last night. Terrible. Uh, he was responsible for the second goal. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he missed on scoring chances. Uh, he got a lot of ice time, as you knew he would. Uh, but, uh, you know, he was a minus two in 26 minutes, 38 seconds. Um, the best avalanche defenseman I felt last night by far was Eric Johnson. By far. He was plus one, 16 minutes, 50 seconds, was blocking shots, sacrificing his body. Uh, I thought engaged offensively. Uh, Jack Johnson was uh, subpar. Uh, Manson didn't play in the third period. Byron was bad. Taze was bad. Uh, Gerard, Gerard was sort of like uh, Georgiev to me. Uh, obviously not scintillating, but not particularly at fault. Not, not really the, the problem. Yeah, I would agree with that. But the frustration I think that, that I had even watching it is because it hit exactly the concerns that I had. The, you saw it on Jared Bednar's face after the, after the game, talking a little bit to the, to the media. The Avalanche know at this point, five games in, they knew four games in, exactly how the Kraken were going to approach them. They knew. They knew what was going to happen. They knew the forecheck was going to be ferocious. They knew that they were going to make it difficult to get out of their own offensive zone. They were going to come at you in waves. They weren't going to worry about overloading one line with minutes. That's not the way they play. There there is no secret whatsoever about what the Seattle Kraken are doing. None. And because it worked, they came back and they did exactly the same thing again. And the Avalanche, knowing it's coming, 
simply either did not know how or seemed, quite frankly, somewhat disinterested in finding a counter to what Seattle was doing. Right right now, if it, if, if it was not a team that was the defending Stanley Cup champions and did not have an absolute firebrand like Nathan McKinnon, who is playing out of his mind despite the rest of his, what his team is doing, I would look at this and say that the Avalanche look like they're about yeah. ready to just pack it in. I, I'd push back a little on that. I think the Avalanche have done what a lot of us have done and underestimated Seattle. And you're right. There's no good reason for it. The Avalanche never beat Seattle in regulation during the regular season. And they have lost three out of five, to, in, in, including one overtime loss in this series so far. They have been behind in every game. They've had to chase every game. They're, in fact, lucky that this series is still going. Yes. If anything, they're the ones who are lucky that the series yes, is still going 100% on. percent correct. It could be 4-1. Uh, Seattle was up 2-0 past the first period in game number two when the Avs came back. The Avs are also ahead in game three, 3-1, and on the snap of a finger or fingers, blew the lead, and it was 3-3. I mean, the Avalanche have had some really, really bad stretches in this series, and the good stretches, frankly, have been few and far between. And while I agree with you uh, on McKinnon's play generally, uh, his temper tantrum caused him a goal last night. It did. It, it, and it cost them what turned out to be the 2-1 goal that led to the 3-1 goal. And yes, he they deserved, scored. He deserved the tripping a, call, but he's got to be smarter. Goal. And he talked about that after the game. Well, but he knew he I, needed I, I don't know if he deserved it. I'm, I'm sorry. I, it's a 50-50 call. It gets made sometimes. It doesn't get made sometimes. He is arguing on the way to the bench so that in a split second, J.T. Comfer, who's coming off the bench to replace him, can't get into the play. And the kid, the rookie, scoring his first yeah, NHL Kartai, goal, yeah. and you have to feel good for the kid. I mean, his parents are in the stands, and and the kid scores his first NHL goal to put his team up 2-1, uh, Ty Cartier. And, uh, you know, because Confer was a split second late, uh, and they've got, in effect, a break of three on two. In effect, because they can't get Confer into the play because McKinnon's back there arguing and doesn't get off the ice fast enough. And it, it, it's the same thing you'll see in basketball with a guy arguing a call. Jokic used to do this all the time and mm-hmm. made us crazy. He doesn't do it nearly as often, uh, hardly ever anymore. But he'd be arguing a call at one end while uh, the opposition was going three on two the other way and dunking. Right. While he'd still be arguing as the dunk was being made, he'd still be arguing uh, the call. So I, I'm not condemning McKinnon. I understand the frustration, but McKinnon's frustrated because he ain't getting any help. He's getting no uh, help. Except from Rantanen, and I would say Comfort last night uh, was was okay, and they put those three together, which I thought was the way to go once they got two goals behind in the third period. Uh, but I'll tell you what, uh, the bottom six forwards, uh, other than Eller and – maybe O'Connor aren't doing anything. Well, and in fact, they're liability. And if you want the point totals for those bottom six, the answer last night was zero. No well, goals, no and assists, the answer nothing. throughout the series, five games is one assist from Newhook, who's been the worst of the bunch, in my opinion, and was a minus one last night in seven minutes, 50 seconds of play. And, and you can tell by ice time given out 
what the coach thinks of what's going on. And he basically played two lines in the third period. And he didn't play Manson in the third period. Uh, Johnson got penalized, I believe. Jack Johnson. Jack Johnson, yep. Uh, he didn't play very much. Uh, so they were playing uh, Taves, Gerard, Byram, and Eric Johnson in the in the third period. So they're playing four defensemen and six forwards. Uh, a lot of passengers mm-hmm. because there were 18 skaters dressed and only 10 really played in the third period. It's obviously very, very concerning. Want to know what you think? The number, of course, is 303-831-1340. Now, are the abs, are they, are they done? Are they cooked? To me, Sandy, I, I hate to say it, but they, they look like a team that, for the most part, almost just looked like a, a, a squad that ran into a brick wall and doesn't particularly feel like doing what they need to do to push it down. I don't know. I You know, the, the bottom six guys. Either that or the talent uh, on this team is going to greatly overestimate you like You like Ben Myers a lot more I, than I, I do. I don't think that I, Myers is ready for prime time. I like Myers Myers, Myers is not an NHL player. Yeah, I, I, certainly not I right, doubt not he not ever right now. Uh, Morgan, who looked like looked a contributor a during the regular season, Vanished. has been brutal yeah. through five games in this series, the point where you really can't play him. And, uh, you know, the fourth line, uh, particularly Newhook, uh, it, it gives you nothing, not, not even much energy. Uh, Cogliano, I think, is hurt, and it, he's playing because they have other guys hurt or missing. But, uh, you know, it, the vibe for me starts with the irresponsibility of Makar on the ice and Nashushkin off the ice. And, you know, I heard uh, on altitude last night the guys whining after the game about Landis Gog. And, uh, you know, I said two months ago, well, we haven't been on two months. Uh, Let's say a month ago. (laughs) Let's say a month ago of the players who were out. And this was prior to Landis Gog being termed out for the year. Mm-hmm. After that uh, announcement, of course, we all knew. And I strongly suspect that he would be out. But what I also thought was that uh, back in January, he wasn't coming back. I thought they missed him more than the other guys who were out, the other three guys who were out late in the season. I thought they needed him back for uh, the playoffs uh, more than those other guys. But he's been out all year. So I don't want to hear or read from anybody, hey, we don't have the captain. I had the captain all year. And you were, went 31 7 and 4 the two in the last 42 the games, Conference. which the last time I looked were also, that was part of the entire year, right? That he missed. They went 31 7 and 4. So I think there is something, certainly to the point you make about disinterest, but I think there is uh, the heavy odor of entitlement at play mm, here, too. Interesting. And okay. some of these guys, and uh, I'll name some names, New Hook to be sure, a Stanley Cup champion. I don't know what individual laurels he thinks he's resting on, but he's so bad you basically can't play him. On a, you play him for what, two, three shifts a period? Tops, tops, probably more like two than three per period. I mean, that's this is it. a Stanley Cup he, he, champion. He had 12 shifts, so you can do the math. It's four per period. You know, and again, um, Lekkonen 
I, I thought the key play of the game came late in the second period, 2-1 score. They're on a two-on-one, McKinnon and Lekkonen. And for whatever reason, Lekkonen is not strong on the puck when he's got the whole net to himself. All he has to do is lift it. He gets checked from behind. Hell of a defensive play. I I, I think it was Everly, but I could be wrong. Uh, whoever the forward was coming back made a hell of a play. But Lekkonen's ahead of him. you got to be stronger on the puck than he was. And he misses the net. That's the game for me. And, wa- and watch it. And now I say that having known the outcome before I watched the game, but I saw that and said, game, set, and match. Avalanche win the game last night, I believe, if they tie it 2-2 by the end of the second period. I think they win the game. But I will also point this out, and we haven't mentioned it. At the start of the second period, who's on the power play? Start of the third period, who's on the power play? Who does nothing with both power plays? I mean nothing. And that's a fresh icy. And I understand the penalties got called the end of the first period, so half the penalty time was spent on bad ice, uh, you know, at the end of a period. Right. Right. Uh, but the other half of the penalty is played on your power play on a clean sheet of ice mm-hmm. at the start of the second period, start of the third period. They do nothing. And after the third period, they were so bad on the power play, seconds later they get scored on to make it 3-1. to one. Seconds later. They had every advantage, every advantage you could want from home ice to power plays at the start of the only two periods in which you can start on the power play. That's the best time to have it, for sure. You can plan it out. You know you're going to start out ahead. You have the clean sheet of ice, everything you want. You're rested. You've got your number one guys through the intermission. Miserable. and, And they've been terrible. They've got one power play yep. goal in five games. That's it. Just against a one. team that is not known, although they're terrific defensively five on five, they are not known to be a particularly great penalty killing team because their goaltenders both last year and this year have not been that good. And I don't think they've made Grubauer be very good. Now, Grubauer had two or three sensational saves last night. I thought uh, Georgiev had five or six sensational saves last night sensational and at the first period i thought seattle could have been ahead one nothing two nothing after one it was nothing nothing because of georgiev as brian boucher noted on the telecast a former goaltender so the only reason the score is nothing nothing is georgiev georgiev saved him in the first period now does georgiev have to steal a game yeah and tomorrow night would be a nice time to start He's got to steal a game. Yeah, but I don't think Grubauer, I don't think Grubauer's stolen a game in this series. No, he hasn't. I think Seattle's been a better team in four of the five games, mm-hmm. uh, at least for heavy portions of They've been uh, a better team uh, three out of the five, definitely, throughout. Yeah. And uh, the fourth time, they were a better team for about half the game. The Avalanche's 8.3 power play percentage is second to last in the entire playoffs, only barely ahead of the New York Islanders oh. at 6.7, and the gap ahead of them is big. The third worst, Vegas Golden Knights, 14.3, almost still twice as good as what the Avalanche have done on the How about the Stanley Cup playoffs? Unlike the NBA playoffs, all 16 teams still alive in the Stanley Cup playoffs. Well, one of those teams in the NBA playoffs not alive was the best team in the league. The Milwaukee Bucks go down, injuries part of it. But Giannis uh, Antetokounmpo had a very interesting response to a reporter about what that all means. You'll hear it next on My Life Sports.
Sandy Clough and Sean Trotar. Presented by Burnham Law. Hire the winner at BurnhamLaw.com. Here's Sean and Sandy. The Avalanche find themselves uh, in trouble. The number two seed, obviously, down that one more loss, they will be eliminated. Uh, the Milwaukee Bucks lost Giannis for uh, a, a, a game in this series, obviously. And he didn't seem to be entirely himself. But Was it a game or two? Didn't games? stop him. Uh, I think it was two. It was two games, I believe. Yeah. And so, so that but, gave but the, for Miami, now I know he's the not the same player, but Hero went out mm-hmm. for Miami and did not come back in right. the series. And that's obviously. on at least what it was perceived as a less talented team. Obviously, the Bucs were the right. best team in the NBA for the majority of the season. And the Bucs had an 11-8 and record without Giannis during the regular season, by the way. They lose in overtime after blowing, a, as, has been, as has been the story of the playoffs, blowing a late lead as many Big teams lead, have double done. Double-digit lead. And uh, Jimmy Butler, who same day we're talking about the break, and uh, you know we talked. I feel like called this a little bit prior to this series because I, I, I was talking. I've been talking about Jimmy Butler the second he came in, and he was fired up talking about who cares how we get in on the play-ins or whatever. Well, they become the best. They, first, I take it back. First play-in tournament team to advance well, to the second round. Well, yes, and remember they lost to Atlanta before they had to win right. at home, so they had to play two games. They did. They, they lost they, the they first in, at home to the Atlanta Hawks, mm-hmm. who are, are better than people think, Giving Boston too. a pretty good fight. We'll find out more the tonight. with Boston. Yeah, the guy right. will be in Atlanta tonight. Yeah. It is a three, only 3-2. But Butler made sure that they didn't lose two games in the playing tournament, so they get in as an eight seed, playing a one, uh, far and away the best team in the league during the regular season, and uh, you know, won 58 games. And for much of the series, if not the entire series, they did have Giannis. They did have injured guys who came back. Middleton came back late in the year. And they had their whole cast of characters. And we were talking during the break. Butler played one of the great playoff series of all time. Ever. Ever. In the five games, an average of 37.6 points per game. To go along with, by the way, six rebounds a game, 4.8 assists a game. A 1.8 steals a game, which ordinarily is near like the league lead level, at least right. top 10 level steals per game. Right. Um, turnovers were not significant considering what he was doing, 2.4. But then shooting, 59.7% from the field, including 44 from three. You're averaging 38 a game, shooting yeah. 60% from the field against the top team in the league. Which that is remarkable. Leads to my second observation, and that's that Miami won the series more than Milwaukee I think so. lost the series. I think Miami stole it from them. They, they took it away from them. I didn't see one of those games where Milwaukee, uh, obviously, you know, last night they did cough up the lead, but I don't think it really coughed up a whole bunch of games or anything. These were games that uh, were uh, generally pretty competitive for the most part, not that, uh, that game, that blowout game three. You know but, where they did lose the game, though, last night. Free throws? Free throws. 28 for 45, and Giannis was 10 for 25. And had seven turnovers. So Giannis had great numbers otherwise. I thought, by and large, he played a a pretty good game. But uh, 28 out of 45, the line. You get the line that much, you can't shoot 62% on 45 free throws. And you only needed to go 29 for 45. you, know, to get, you don't go to overtime, overtime. And, and you win, and you're still there. So, again, rules make your free throws. It matters. But uh, got to make your free throws. Give Jimmy Butler credit. Uh, give the Heat credit. And how how about this? You're now, the have... Heat were only 11 for 17. Yeah, it, was <laughs> it was not a foul shooting clinic last night in Milwaukee. But now you will be talking about the fifth-seeded New York Knicks. Yes. Hosting a second-round playoff of my series. Youth. 
on Sunday. That will start. But I mean, hosting fifth rounders and they're hosting that second round series. Just Isn't that remarkable. amazing? Uh, Giannis, however, uh, and, and yes, uh, good game, not great game. The, the turnovers were a problem, and the free throw shooting was a problem. You yeah. could argue it cost them. But they've had a great run. Uh, I argued. So the one seed is out and the four seed is mm-hmm. out in the East. I argued that, that I, I, I get it. I get the argument. I thought that Giannis should have been the league MVP. I don't think he's going to get it for Embiid. doesn't matter because they're going to split the difference there. The, the voters are. But he had a tremendous season. But it was interesting after the game. Because this is something that has bothered me for my entire career, and I've pushed against it forever, this sort of zero sum. <laughs> you won a championship or it was a waste. And, and I've kind of made that argument that, you know, if, if you really totally believe that, the only thing that matters is rings, that if you want to tell me that, let's say, Jeff Hostetler was a better quarterback than Dan Marino, and you want to tell me that with a straight face, maybe I'll listen Individuals to Individuals don't win playoff series. They don't even win games. By themselves. These are team games. You know, yes, quarterback's an important position. Uh, Dan Marino got the one Super Bowl. His team was totally outclassed. And, of course, Joe Montana was on the other side. Mm -hmm. John Oway lost a couple Super Bowls in a similar fashion. Yeah. And they got there at, at least and lost them. But, you know, but, I've never but, been but into team, the whole the, teams lose those. Games. The only thing that matters, and, and, the rings, and, and, the chip. Oh, yeah. All the, well, you know, they, the they, talk, tell, I get you know honestly, do you think Robert Ory, there's a bunch of rings with different sure. teams, right? Right. Is a better player than Charles Barkley. Of course not. There's no rings right. with a number of teams. Yeah, it's a very silly, overly simplified way of looking at a, a, a any team, any player, any anything. And after the game, and I, I, I tried to look. I could not find out who the uh, – he'll, he'll, you'll hear it in a minute. He'll speak to a reporter named Eric who asked the question and apparently asked it last year as well. Talked specifically, and I thought rather eloquently – on how a season really should be viewed and is viewed for the most part by the athletes themselves. I'm curious for you. Do you view this season as a failure? Oh my God. Uh, okay, because I'm not that up. You asked me the same question last year, Eric. Okay. Uh, do you get do you get a promotion every year on your job? No, right. So every year you work is a failure. Yes or no? No. Every, every year you work, you work towards something, towards a goal, right? which is to get a promotion, to be able to uh, take care of your family, to be able, I don't know, um, provide a house for them or take care of your parents. You work towards a goal. It's not a failure. It's steps to success. You know, and if you've never, I don't, know, I don't, want, to, I don't want to make it personal. So there's always steps to it. You know, um, Michael Jordan played 15 years. Won six championship. The other nine years was a failure. That's what you're telling me. No, I'm asking you a question. Yes or no? Okay, exactly. So why are you asking me that question? It's a wrong question. There's no failure in sports. You know, there's good days, bad days. Some days, some days you are able to uh, be successful. Some days you're not. Some days it's your turn. Some days it's not your turn. And that's what sports is about. You don't always win. Some other other people's gonna win. And this year somebody else is gonna win. Similar as that. We're going to come back next year, try to be better, try to build good habits, try to um, play better, not have a 10-day stretch with uh, playing bad basketball. You know, and hopefully we can win a championship. So 50 years from 1971 to 2021 that we didn't win a championship, it was 50 years of failures. No, it was not. It was steps to it, you know, and we were able to win one. Hopefully we can win another one. Uh, uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar is another one. Uh, 1974, 
his Milwaukee Bucks at right. the height of Kareem's powers with Oscar Robertson. Now, I know it's Oscar Robertson last year of his career. He's over the hill. But still, a team that won a championship three years earlier, right, with many of the same players. They play the Boston Celtics, and it was not a great Boston team. Um, in fact, Boston had a better team the year before and the next beat. And nobody was saying Boston failed that year. They won 68 regular season games and the next beat them in the Eastern Conference Finals. Okay, they're playing Boston. Boston beats them in seven games. There's a very memorable, which two years later was exceeded in, in memory by the finish of the Phoenix-Boston playoff game, but there's a very memorable game six where Kareem wins it in Boston. They're down three games to two with, with a sky hook uh, uh, uh 19, 20 feet out on the on the baseline, and they win the game. They had tremendous victory in Boston. They go home for the seventh game, and Boston beats them. And it was not particularly a strong home court series that year. Did Kareem fail? It's really ridiculous. Uh, did Kareem fail when the Celtics, uh, or even Magic Johnson in 1984, when they won the first game in Boston, they had the second game wrapped up, they blow the ball game on a bad pass by James Worthy. They they end up losing, and they go on, win the third game in a blowout. They're up two games to one. They blow the series. They blow the series. Boston wins the fourth game. Uh, they win the fifth game back in Boston. By the way, Boston has home court advantage, so they were probably the better team going in, but the Lakers should have won that series. Nobody said the year was a failure. The Lakers came back and won in 85. 87, 88. They won three out of the next four years. So 84 was a failure? No. It, 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 anything more in the Broncos season in 1996 when they lost to Jacksonville in the playoffs was a failure. It's actually it's a springboard. Set up the, the springboard. They don't, the they don't win the back-to-back Super Bowls right. without that right. loss. Without I that, guarantee without you that they loss. don't. So I've talked to the, players on that team. So I, you. I learned the lesson, and I agree 100%, my friend, with, with your observation. And uh, we got to save that clip. You got to save that clip. I, I was thinking as he was saying it, that is an all-time. That, that's it's, an all-time. It's an Iverson's that, practice that's level practice, quote. But but it's and it, also very very lucky we don't know Eric's last name because that uh, that got shot blocked into oh, orbit. Man, did he take him apart? Ooh. But but I, I want to say that because they're uh, covering the Brewers, buddy. That was something that uh, Doug Moe fought against uh, with respect to some critics here in the Denver media during the 1980s. Because the Nuggets were the most entertaining team in basketball to watch year after year after year. Next to the Lakers, they won more games than any Western Conference team, including the Portland Trailblazers, including the Utah Jazz. Portland had Jack Ramsey. Uh, Utah had some uh, pairing. I think Malone and Stockton were their names. You know, it's been them. a few yeah. years, but the memories get fair. I think those were the two guys. They won more games than, than, than those guys did. They didn't win a championship. They yeah. didn't get the NBA Finals. They got the Western Conference Finals once. Uh, they got the semifinals multiple times. Uh, they they did not have home court advantage uh, in the in the series they lost that were best of seven. When they had a home court advantage, they won. When they didn't have it, they lost. Uh, it, that that was basically true throughout the decade. That was true when George Carl was here, and people said Nugget seasons were failures uh, when. They, they shouldn't have even been in the playoffs. Well, the, the argument is uh, this is, is, is inherently on his face a little silly because I, I guess I would ask any Nuggets fan, why are you a Nuggets fan? If, if you believe, if you're one of those folks that believe the only thing that matters is championships, why in the world would you be a Nuggets fan? They've never won one. Right. They've never even got a crack at one uh, directly in the NBA because you're taking the wrong message out of the season. 
And first and foremost, it's sports, and it's supposed to be fun. Was it some of it fun? If the Nuggets don't win the title, and I'll be honest, I'll tell you what, I not only do I not think they'll win the title, I don't think they'll win the series with the Suns. Okay. Am I going to say so this? We're, we're going to disagree we'll, on that because I like the Nuggets in the series. Not, not I don't love them. I like them by but a well, I, Will I call bit. that a failure? No, because, I, I, because I watched a, an extraordinary season by one of the um, best players I've ever seen in my life. Uh, there was a lot it, to it enjoy, is not, a lot to like. And, and is it's it a not stepping a player stone? Failure. You know what? If Jokic never wins a title, I'm not going to look at him as a failure either. Of course not. That's that a, It's a ridiculous, ridiculous way to look at sports that's simplifying it as this weird macho vibe that people want to take and, and act like that, you know, that makes them a tougher, more a hard-nosed fan. It doesn't. It, it it makes you actually a really lousy sports fan because why are you watching it? Your team, whatever it is, for the most part, I don't care. You could be a New York Yankees fan. What is it, 27 world championships, right? It's a lot of years they haven't won. Yep, most of the years. Most of the years. They haven't won. No one's won a title any more than the New York Yankees in any of the major sports ever. And, and by most the way, of the years, in this they don't century, uh, count the World Series victories for the Yankees. That would be one. And, that, and, that, well, and guess what? And that, that's, in, the, in this... In the in this uh, century, and that's still better than still better than a lot of teams. That's the thing. If if you're if you're a sports fan, I guess two thousand, and your idea is they won in two thousand championship or bust or nothing. Wow, must suck to be you. Because it doesn't sound like a very much uh, fun way of being a sports fan. Because no matter what you do, you're doomed to be unhappy about it and complaining and pouting. And I understand. I understand our social media world. That's a lot of what it is, is complaining and pouting and, you know, poor me as a fan and all that. But this take- is not Pollyannish you, preaching, by right. the way. You're just it, you're it, just it, taking the wrong thing out of it. I, and and I listen, uh, you and I were on for about a year mm-hmm. in a previous endeavor. Yeah, correct. Right. Yeah. Yeah. As far as uh, the metrics were concerned, we had the best show in the city, mm-hmm. best talk show in the city. Correct. Metrics. That's those are metrics. Those and, are the hard numbers. You know, I won't use the R word. Sure. I use metrics. Sure. Okay, the best show in the city, High, highest ranked show in the city, talk show, mm-hmm. and we're now doing this, mm-hmm. and both of us are very happy for it. Mm-hmm. It has worked out wonderfully well. This is a fantastic radio station which is way ahead of the curve in terms of its model. This is what radio is going to look like. Is going to look like, and it's what this station already is. Mm -hmm. This station is several years, okay, as in more than two, ahead of the curve. We're thrilled to be here, and we're reaching, I think, one way or another, as many people as we ever did. Reach is a different thing. Yep, depends on the way you measure it. But, deal. but I get your point. Was that but, a failure? But, but was that a failure? No. Uh, I, listen, I've been fired before. Uh, it, I didn't think I failed in, in the places I got fired before. Uh, one station changed format. Was that a nope. failure on my part? No. The, the, the station got sold. People came in, changed the format. I, I love the metaphor that Giannis came with. This, this straight uh, up. Absolutely. Did, did you, you get promoted? You get promoted. Your year was a failure. You, you didn't you get did. promoted. Then what? You wasted your time. You wasted all year. Uh, obviously, it's very silly. And, and and good for Giannis for bringing it up. 
I think it's a I think it's a great take on sports. And he, you know he is he is exceedingly bright. And what's by the really way, important, exceedingly he's bright. He's also bright enough to catch himself knowing he was about to say something personal. Personal and didn't. And, and, and that's he said, I too. don't want to make this because <laughs> he was close. Took a deep breath and caught himself. I also loved it. If if you didn't think that what you heard from Giannis is how athletes think, just if you get a chance and you can find it all over social media. Get a chance to look at him as he literally, the first thing he says is he holds his, rubs his head and goes, oh my God. In other words, well, he knew it's the same I have guy. to ask, I have, him, I have to answer this again. Before. Players think like Giannis. Yeah. You have to or you cannot succeed. Of course not. E- even Michael Jordan, who was as great as he has great quotes about how many shots he's missed was. and how many game winning shots he he's said, missed. Uh, exactly. He said, people talk about all the game winning shots. I've made. The issue is that I'm not afraid to take them. I've missed far more than I've made. Mm-hmm. Baseball is a sport where if you're out seven out of ten times, you're one of the best in the league. That's the way the sports go. It's sports. They're hard. Good on Giannis. And you know what? Good for the Miami Heat. And it's hard to win. I, I, I mean, it's really hard we, to win. we talk about the avalanche. We'll be disappointed if they go out in the first round. Yes. Uh, but is it unprecedented? No. Not at all. Uh, two years after they won the Stanley Cup. Not the next year, but two years later, 2003, they're playing a third-year expansion team, the Minnesota Wild, in the playoffs for the first time. They're up three games to one. They lose the series. Patrick Waugh the goaltender. The last three games of Patrick Waugh's career, maybe the greatest goaltender ever lived, he lost all three games. Lost all three. Happens. That's it sports. happens. But is he a failure? Yeah, of course not. <laughs> Not in 2003, and certainly not at any other time in his career. You don't always win everything. My uh, my, my father, I give him a little hat tip here. He always had the uh, best line he, I stuck since I was a kid. The other guys get paid too. <laughs> There's a reason for that. It's just that simple. Yes, you had an Seattle opportunity. Kraken may not get paid quite like the Avalanche do, but it's a hard cap they're, sport. Uh, they're, they're professionals and everybody, getting paid to do what Everybody you do. is right up against the cap they and not a indeed. dollar over. You were an opportunity to be at the uh, the Hall of Fame, Colorado Hall of Fame induction awards, a special night. Want to talk a little bit about that. We'll do that next on Miley Sports. Sandy Clough and Sean Trotar, weekdays at 2 on Mile High Sports. We will get back to uh, Sandy's stories about the Colorado Sports Hall of Fame banquet. Uh, we want to t- touch on that for sure, but a little bit of, of breaking news in the last few minutes. <laughs> Seems like this has been going on for a while, but it appears finally that uh, Lamar Jackson, son's agent, has gotten a deal done with the Ravens, and uh, the Ravens not only announced it, but announced it with a video from Lamar. You know, for the last few months, there's been a lot of he say, she say, a lot of nail biting, a lot of head scratching going on. But for the next five years, it's a lot of flock going on. (laughs) Let's go, baby. Let's go, let's go, man. Can't wait to get there. Can't wait to be there. Can't wait to light up M&T for the next five years, man. Let's get it. So that saga comes to a close. Interesting about it, though, uh, usually even in the last you know, 10 minutes, somebody has some numbers because somebody, your Adam Schefter's the world, call an eight, call his agent, that gets leaked. Lamar doesn't have an agent. And that part is interesting because, you know, agents can go between 10 to 20%. 
So depending on when those numbers came out, right, uh, Lamar might, when you look at the guaranteed money, even if it ends up being a little bit lower, might actually yeah. make more of it, which is no interesting. No Asian percentage. And and get this idea as you talk about coming into to the draft, by the way. Um, Lamar Jackson and Stetson Bennett, quarterback for back-to-back champs, Georgia. They were only born a couple months apart. I think it's been easy to overlook what Lamar Jackson's done in his career at this stage at the NFL level. And so I'm happy to see oh, him, him MVP get the deal. four years ago. And uh, my guess is that the contract is not fully guaranteed, but uh, maybe 60% guaranteed. How's that for a shot in the dark? Um, I, I I thought all the way along that it would make sense even for Lamar Jackson to sign a three-year deal that would be fully guaranteed for something like 120, 130 million, something a, a, in that a lower number, be, but a, fully a lower guaranteed. number, but a full guarantee. And, and, and then, you know, he's still young enough, right? What, how old is he now? 26, yeah. 27. He's He'd still be in his twenties negotiating maybe a, An even a larger bigger deal. guarantee, uh, at least for a longer term. Yeah. Um, but in, it sounds like, in the end, he got the best of both worlds. He got the longer deal, and I'm, I'm sure he got, if not yeah, a total this? guarantee, then a satisfactory percentage. Lamar doesn't guaranteed even turn 27 until next January. Okay. After so this he, he's he's young he's for the young. fact that he's been in the league for, what, six, seven years? Yep. Josina Anderson uh, is reporting as we Good speak. Good for Josina. Uh, Five-year deal, $260 million, slightly exceeding the five-year 255 that Jalen Hurts did. Of course, the guaranteed devil's in the details. The guaranteed money is what matters, and we don't have that yet. But if that's the case, as long as there is reasonably similar guaranteed money and Lamar Jackson negotiated one of that size without an agent, he won't be the last quarterback to do it. Because I think when you're talking about at least the quarterback position, the numbers are so high. And they're so high even at a baseline now, if you're accomplished. How much you need your agent for these things? Why pay them the 10, 20%? You can keep that yourself. I mean, think about that. Granted, we understand that's not, let, let's, say that, let's say the guaranteed money is half that. $130 million, let's say. It's probably higher than that. But let's say I, it's half. I would hope for Jackson's sake. It's let's, let's, let's say 150, yeah. right? Right. That's between 15 and $30 well, well, million well, dollars that he gets to keep that's Russell not going Wilson's to an agent. Guaranteed money. Obviously not fully guaranteed, right? Do you no, remember? No, the only fully, fully guaranteed. The, really, the only fully guaranteed contract oh, that they 150, got 160? was um, Kirk Cousins was the only guy that got one uh, fully, well, fully guaranteed. $161 million guaranteed for Russell But Wilson. Watson got that, that's that. That was the mark that Jackson uh, and you, I, I'm sorry, you're said, correct. Kirk Cousins did it, and then the well, well, Browns went bonkers. It, the Browns went bonkers and guaranteed $230 million to... Uh, Deshaun Watson, and everybody thought, well, that's what Jackson views as the market, and you know, whatever. Nine of the other ten quarterbacks, right, uh, who signed deals recently within the last couple of years, weren't getting fully guaranteed. Even Patrick Mahomes, who had that number that you know, four hundred million or or whatever it was when it was not all guaranteed. It was one hundred forty-one million guaranteed, which is now the seventh. So uh, Watson, not that they're going to cut. Patrick Mahomes anytime soon. No. So he, he's going to get most of that money. No. 
But uh, now uh, Spotrac, who covers such things uh, like that, uh, the projection now is, uh, and according to Justine Anderson on a follow-up there, the practical guaranteed money, which, you know, you talk about your signings and what you get for uh, Lamar Jackson, $185 million, which would put him behind only Watson. The now in guaranteed money in the NFL, regardless of position, Watson, $230 million. If the reporter's right, Lamar Jackson, one hundred and eighty-five. Jalen Hurts, 179.3. Yeah, that's, that, that's in the ballpark. Russell Wilson, 161. Yeah. And then Kyler Murray at 159.9. Uh, if that's the case, then good on Lamar Jackson. Good for him. As everybody around the, the league and in, in, in our industry kept picking on him and saying, wow, you're being stupid. Why would you do that? Uh, it looks like good things come to those who wait, played his card right, was patient, waited for some deals. Well, he knew the people he was dealing with. He sure did. And I, I, I must say this. Um, I mean, the Ray Rice he scandal. He self-negotiated the biggest deal in history. The Ray Rice scandal High five, man. sullied just about everything it touched, right? Yes, of course. Including the Baltimore Ravens. But by and large, I would say as an organization, they've been just about as intelligently operated since moving to Baltimore, and I'm not talking about the move and the correctness or right. the, 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 out in the, middle the, of the night appropriate stuff. Right, right. Right. nature of the move. I'm not, I'm not talking about Art Modell. Uh, may he rest in peace. Um, but I, I'm just talking about the one thing they did that was smart, they brought Ozzie Newsom with them. Yes. And now Eric DaCosta is the GM. Uh, Jim Harbaugh has been a coach for, what, 16 years now? Going on 16. As good a coach and, as there is in the league. And, and and he's, yeah. uh, you know, definitely one of the top three or four. I mean, we can quibble about who's one, who's two, who's right. three, who's four. He's in that group. He's an elite coach. Uh, and it, in that division, uh, I uh, to me, he and Mike Tomlin are, uh, with, with all due respect to Zach Taylor, who's been in a Super Bowl, um, you know that those two guys have been around for about the same length of time. They've each with, got a ring. With two of the smartest mm-hmm. uh, four or five organizations in the sport throughout the years uh, of the 21st century. I, I don't think there's much doubt about that. I, I think they deserve some credit, too. But Lamar Jackson knew about the people he was dealing with. He knew his value. And he knew what his value was, and, and they understood, even with the missed games late in the year, and that bothered a lot of people. Certainly, uh, I mentioned it as a factor. You know, you couldn't give a fully guaranteed contract uh, for more than two or three years anyway to someone who had missed as many key games as he's missed in recent years. But will he end up collecting on all of that money? Um I, I think that's an open question. Going to collect 185. He, he's he's got, uh, depending on how you want to look at it, three four years of guaranteed money. So congratulations there, self negotiating the biggest deal in NFL history. Uh, nicely done, sir. So congratulations to Lamar Jackson. Also congratulations, by the way, to uh, Joe Burrow, who yesterday had his fifth year option picked up as the Bengals said it was a mechanical step on the way yeah. to getting his contract well, extension. Um. Yeah, Joe Burrow needs to send a uh, a box of chocolates over to Lamar Jackson's place because uh, he's up next, and uh, he's going to get paid. Oh, <laughs> you know, it, it's interesting in that division with Lamar Jackson and 
uh, Joe Burrow. Um, no, <laughs> Pittsburgh and yes, Cleveland. I, I, I'm not convinced that Deshaun Watson is going to reach the form that he once demonstrated. I'm just not. Uh, you know, $230 million guaranteed dollars does not guarantee prime performance. No, no, not at all. And, Money doesn't guarantee uh, anything. The, 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 the two best quarterbacks in that division remain far and away, Lamar Jackson and Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow and Lamar Jackson. Far and away. And actually, Arnold. given the performance of Kenny Pickett as a rookie on his deal compared to what they got out of Deshaun Watson, pretty good bargain for the Steelers last year as well. NFL draft tonight. The Broncos are not expected to participate, but we'll talk about that. And, of course, everything else going on. Abs, Nuggets, Broncos with the one and only Romy Bean. She'll be on next on Miley Sports. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.